I'm, I'm going to uh, read our passage in just a moment, but I, just to say, uh, we're starting a sermon series. It's our brand new sermon series, which is all about kingdom. And I think um, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, there's all sorts of ways of cutting it. Um, but the, it's, there's a twofold reason um, I'd love us to, to be focusing on the idea of kingdom in, uh, in this next kind of seven weeks, I think it is. Um, the first one is um, kind of just who the heck knows what uh, kingdom actually means anyway. And that, that I think you, we kind of vaguely talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Um, but actually, when you, when you drill down, what does it mean besides just a good idea or a good thought? Um, what does it actually mean on the ground? And so we're going to explore um, not just the concept of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, but actually uh, what that means for our lives as Jesus followers in 2022. Um, the other reason we're going to be spending time thinking about uh, the kingdom is because Jesus talked about it loads, actually. Um, and we, we often think about his moralistic teaching or his teaching around all sorts of other things um, or the parables. Um, but actually, a lot of the parables refer to the kingdom. And, um, and it's one of his most kind of, it's one of his main focuses of his ministry was talking about the kingdom. So as Jesus followers in 2022, um, we need to understand what he mean, what, what he meant by it, but also what it means for our lives um, today. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be thinking about that from different angles. Um, we're going to just try and better understand together um, what he meant and what it means for us in our workplaces, what it means for us in our families and our friendship circles. What does bringing God's kingdom into those places actually mean on the ground? <clears throat> so I'm going to um, read our Bible passage um, this morning, which is taken from Revelations um, chapter 21. So this is right, right at the end of the Bible. I think there's only one chapter after this one. And, um, and it is not a book that um, everybody's familiar with, but um, I'll, I'll try and explain it best I can afterwards. So starting 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and are true. Um, so I, I, there's a lot of um, picture language there, and although for many of us it might feel an unfamiliar book um, to you, it, it, it is um, 
He's, um, needs to be understood in this, this way. So John uh, was writing this as kind of prophetic writing, and, and it's a picture of a vision that John had. And so he was um, writing down all these things. And what I, the, the way I understand it best is that it is a lot of picture language. So it's not immediately applicable to our lives in the same way that many of the other books are. There's a lot of pictures of what God will eventually do with his creation. And I think um, the thing to understand with Revelation is that these pictures, many of which are beyond our comprehension, they're not actually meant to be fully comprehended uh, by our human minds because they are kind of God's glorious fullness, the full realization of God's plan in, um, in heaven and earth is seen in that vision. So it's not going to be something that we can just take off the shelf and easily understand. So I think um, hold that uh, in your mind as you, as you kind of think about Revelation, but also as we um, look at it and you might think, um, what, what the heck is going on there? But one passage that we are very familiar with and perhaps you've heard it at a funeral or, um, or it's just something you'll know, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And this is God's plan. This is his amazing promise. This is God's plan for his creation. And I think uh, it is unlike any human plan. So um, who had uh, holiday plans for 2021? No, 2020. Anyone? And who actually fulfilled those plans for 2020? And then uh, plans for 2021 that got moved from 2020, perhaps? Yeah, some, some nodding there. And, um, and anyone f- not able to fulfill those plans either? Yes, okay. So, so we can see that actually the plans of man, the plans that we experience, the plans that we think of when we hear the word plan, often don't go to plan. And that, is, um, that has been our experience now more than ever. But God's plans actually have a, such a different edge. So God's plans always prevail. God makes a plan and he fulfills that plan. So God's plans are actually less of a plan, more of a promise. And so that's what we see in um, that passage that we've just seen, that promise of no more crying or mourning. The old order has passed away. God's plans also is, so, so it, it, that's the first thing I want to stress. It's not, there's no plan B's with God. It's not kind of, um, okay, I had a vacation to the Maldives uh, planned, but now um, we're, going, we're doing a staycation. You know, that's not the way God operates. His amazing plan um, is going to be fulfilled one day. With God, everything goes to plan. But I think that the thing that we need to wrestle with as uh, Jesus followers in the here and now is what does that mean when not everything is going to plan in our day-to-day? Our experience of our lives of following Jesus, if, if my experience is anything that was similar to yours, it is not all going to plan all the time. Actually, it's full of frustrations and challenges and full of um, kind of hopes dashed at times and and faith um, stretched and and struggling at times. So how do we live within that promise to be 
and then actually what we're experiencing in the here and now. But what I want to say is God plays the long game. His promises are fulfilled, but he plays the long game. So, um, just had a mini nap there, sorry. Um, and, uh, and I think um, this, this actually, uh, this for um, Christians, we understand that, we, we understand that language, but I think actually that it is bigger um, and broader than that. I think that God um, has put in every human heart a yearning for perfection, a yearning for something more, a knowledge that actually the way that life looks and feels and is our experience in the day to day is not what it should be. A dissatisfaction um, is in every human heart and I think that is a longing for eternity, a longing for God to prevail in these plans and for us to see that happen. And there's no promise that we will see that happen in our lifetime, but there is a promise that one day it will be fulfilled. Um, so I think this, this idea of kingdom, which we, we've been touching on already, um, God, uh, Jesus mentions it 126 times in the Gospels. And it is an idea which would have been familiar to the Jews um, he was talking to and the Gentiles as well that he was talking to at that time um, in the first century because kingdom was, uh, you know, how they lived. They understood the kingdom of Rome was, had overtaken uh, the kingdom of Israel. So the kingdom would have been very much in um, their understanding of how the world works. For us, uh, it's, it, it isn't, you know, actually, I, I love the Queen, and, um, and she's fantastic, but actually, um, it doesn't have the same edge as the Emperor of Rome does, uh, her, her kind of, when she says something, yes, it does happen, but it's not um, the same kingdom as uh, they were experiencing that time of, of conquering kingdoms, coming in and impressing their will and their way upon the people. And actually, the, the, the main way that I think about kingdom now is um, I'm, I'm, I'm Judah, uh, I think he actually, all, all, his, all his bling is just there, and his royal robe. Um, he dresses as a king, uh, our youngest, uh, most days nowadays. And he's moved away from being Henry VIII, because he's, he, we went to a tour on, of Hampton Court, and he's realized, actually, he's not a great guy, really. Um, <clears throat> and so that's, that's good news. Um, but he still has all the bling. He's got his crown. He's got his royal robe, which he's left behind. Um, but... Um, that is uh, my, my primary understanding of a kingdom uh, is as a royal subject. So I, I, uh, I never get to play the king. I'm always his, one of his servants that gets to do his bidding, um, which is, is probably the position that we all would like to have uh, when, when it comes to kingdoms. Um, but we have to understand the kingdom in, in the shape in which Jesus wants to instigate it. And, and we heard last week, didn't we, from Mervyn um, about CSW, and if you weren't there, do listen back, because it was a fantastic talk, really moving, and talking all about um, how God's kingdom is permeating every aspect of society. It's breaking through borders, and actually, um, it, it's, it's growing more quickly often in areas where the, 
the current kingdom within um, which, uh, you know, the, the government within which the Christian message is being spread is oppressing it. So that oppression is, um, is actually creating more growth in the church. And why that, why that happens, I don't know. But actually, God's ways are so mysterious in that. It's not a kingdom with boundaries, as we usually understand it. But it's a kingdom that uh, can work in any and every area. And it's a kingdom that is within our own lives as well. It's not just about um, us as a community. It's about our opportunity to bring God's kingdom into the places in which he's placed us. For us to be ambassadors for the king. Us to represent who the king is to those um, who we come in contact with in our daily lives. And even if we don't think about kingdom language uh, very much, we, if you ever pray the Lord's Prayer, then that is at the heart of uh, what is being prayed there. It says, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. And the clue is in the next line where it says, in earth as it is in heaven. So it's bringing what is the eventual plan into our everyday current reality now. And we just heard um, two really powerful um, testimonies of what that looks like on the ground. Hearing from Maria, um, you know, it wasn't a testimony of just a good way to, to go and sit with um, uh, other women and meditate together, although it was that. It was God breaking through in her life, exposing in her God's kingdom in her life a different way of being, a different culture that was being exposed and challenged in her life. And Saul as well, a, a restoration. God is a God of restoration. God who wants to bring new life where there's death. And God has brought that into Saul's life. And he shared that powerfully as well. So that is just two examples of how God is wanting to bring his kingdom in, in the here and now. And this is what uh, theologians call um, the now and not yet. So it's, it's kind of this future promise that we have of a kingdom that will eventually be in its fullness. We sang at the 9 a.m. this morning about um, God's church at rest. God's church at rest is, is um, another theological term around that. God's church at rest because it doesn't have to do anything more. It's not contending against a culture around that does not represent his kingdom. It does not contend for all the injustices that are being um, seen in our everyday lives now. It doesn't contend against the sin that's, uh, that kind of can overtake our own lives. That is all put down. And we can rest in the fullness of God's um, love and the way he has always planned it. So this is um, a, just a, um, a, a little bit of, from a, an amazing book which I've only read snippets of. Um, but it's N.T. Wright's book um, called The Good News. And it says this, The good news was and is that all that has happened in and through Jesus those kind of foretastes of what God will eventually do about healing, about um, the resurrection, about bringing um, wholeness to people's lives. 
So all that has happened in and through Jesus, that one day it will happen, it will happen completely and utterly. It will happen to all creation. And that we humans, every single one of us, whoever we are, we can be caught up in that transformation here and now. And the topics that we're going to be looking at, this is just a bit of a kind of foretaste of the um, topics that we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. They help us, I think, as, as God's faithful people to deal with that tension, to live within that tension of God being in control, but the world and our lives often feeling out of control. How do we live in the tension of God being a healer but why do we only sometimes see people healed? How can we live a different culture, a culture of God's ways and his kingdom, even in the here and now, where that culture that we're living in is contrary in many ways to what God would love to see? How can we have the strength to live out that counterculture how can we understand this thing of kingdom, which is usually associated with um, power, even the power of a, a five-year-old king who, who likes to impress it upon his loyal subjects um, in his family. But how do we understand kingdom in terms of the fact that God came as a servant king? God came and was crucified, not just for his friends, but actually also for his enemies. How do we understand and re-understand a kingdom when we serve a humble king in that way? And I hope as we um, are able to explore this, this kind of core of who we are as Christians, this good news which we have to proclaim, this um, word about the kingdom coming which Jesus talked about so much, that we too and this is as I close, that we too will be able to understand that call which is placed on each of our lives. That call to represent God's kingdom, to hear stories of that representation, to live out that representation in our places of work, in our families, in our areas of influence that God has given us. I'm just going to pray, um, and Saul is going to kind of lead us again in, in worship. Um, so why don't we stand as, as, as we do that? <clears throat>